Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, Charlotte Hornets fans? It is I, Darian Thomas, your host of the Trust the Buzz podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. This Podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Use code believe, B L E A V. Once again, B L E A V. Use code believe um, at betonline.ag in order to get your 50% welcome bonus. Today, we have a fun, extravagant episode. And I know I usually say that all the time, but I don't really know how to describe these episodes. So I just hope they're all fun. Um, this video, well, this I'm so used to YouTube. This podcast uh, episode will be out to you on Friday, uh, January first or fifth. Geez, I'm messing up all over the place. But yeah, Friday, January fifth. Um, yeah, it'll be right before the Bulls game, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But there are some other things I want to talk about, and those things are what went right during the Kings game because somehow we pulled that game off and I stayed up for it. I'm glad I did. That was a excellent game. Even if we were to lose, depending on the roster, I mean, basically, you know, on the roster we had put out there, I wasn't expecting to win. So even if we lost, I wouldn't have been mad because that's, those are the kind of like well play games. I'm okay with we lose. We suck like that. We stink like that. I'll take it. So, but you know, some of the lackluster stuff, I just don't like, um, then we'll also talk about since Terry Rozier had a crazy game against the Kings. We'll also talk about what teams could use Terry Rozier. Now there's some criteria there. Um, of course, I'll have some teams on this list that you may not think deserve or should have Terry Rozier or are fit for Terry Rozier. And also, um, I may have some teams where you're like, "Oh, that's a great fit, but bad trade." We'll talk about all the discrepancies on that because that's not. It's hard to assume what a team's going to do. So I kind of just threw some stuff together just to get the idea out there. But of course, it's going to be hard to pinpoint what actually happens. And then we're going to talk about a quick segment I have. I'm going to try to introduce because, you know, I'm trying out different segments and seeing how they go. But a quick segment I'm going to try to introduce is called Buzzworthy, where basically um, I just talk about some things that quite didn't make a segment for the podcast. But I do feel like it's something I should talk about. So it'll just be like little quick hitters um, and we'll see how that goes and see if we can keep that up. And then lastly, we'll close the show with Hornets injury designations. I don't know if you've been living on a rock or what, but the Hornets have some of the worst injury designations I've seen. And I just feel like that needs to be talked about more because we on Twitter have been ridiculed for questioning um, kind of the injury. It was more about Mark Williams, this specific incident. But overall, in the grand scheme of things, you could say that about almost any player that's ever been hurt for the Charlotte Hornets in the last few years. Why is the injury designation so off? So we'll be talking about that as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. All right. So what went right against the Kings? Well, first of all, the Charlotte Hornets won 111 to 104. Um, this was a fantastic game. Miracle after midnight part three. It's just what we do when we go to Sacramento. Um, 
I'm really happy with what I saw from the team. Everybody, I think, played moderately well. Of course, we got to start off with Terry Rozier, who had 34 points, um, 13 for 24 from the field. He did only shoot three for 11 from three, but I'm okay with that as he made five or six of his free throw shots. Also had six assists, two blocks, and a steal. Um, Terry Rozier was just, they really couldn't control him in that fourth quarter. That's really where he started to take off, and they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know who to put on him. And they just really struggled to kind of, uh, and I think a lot of it was we weren't running a very set offense at that point. Um, it, it felt very much Steve Clifford said, "Hey Terry, go out there and make the best play. Whether that's you shooting, passing, um, a hockey assist, whatever the case may be, go out there and make the best play." And I don't think the Kings had an answer for that. I mean, also some of it was of their own undoing. Like they just weren't able to convert. Um, DeMontis Sabonis was getting frustrated, which that's a key point on why they lost all the turnovers he had. Those type of things also played a part. So I'm not going to sit here and say the Hornets just handled the Kings. No, the Kings, if they played a better game, of course they would have won. But um, I mean, it's not to say the Hornets didn't do anything at all either. And yeah, like I said, they just had a really tough time guarding tables here, especially in that fourth quarter. And in fact, looking at it, Terry Rozier had 10 points in the fourth quarter. Or, no, 14 points. I'm sorry. He had 14 points in the fourth quarter. I was looking at his plus minus, which was 10. Um, but, yeah, Terry Rozier had a great game. Another thing that people don't talk about is Miles Bridges. Uh, ever since he made that uh, Instagram post talking about how he's sorry to Buzz City because he hasn't been performing well, which it was like a two-week period, maybe even three-week period, if I'm not mistaken, where he just did not play well. He just did not play well. And I might be off. It might not have been three weeks, but I know it was at least like two weeks. But he just was not playing well in these last couple of games. He's played extremely well um, at the game. But like I said, the game against the Kings, he had 27 points, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, and two blocks as well. Uh, while shooting nine of 18 from the field, three of six from three, and converting all six of his free throw attempts. Uh, yeah, Miles Bridges, I think he did his thing. This is kind of what I need to see from him. 40 minutes. I'm not saying he should play that every night, but the way you saw the game just go to him and he took advantage of that, that's more of what we need because during his streak where he was just not playing well, it was a lot of he'll just shoot, he'll walk up to the three-point line, maybe do a crossover, maybe do a step back, and then just chuck the ball up. He still does that a little bit these last couple of games, but it's nowhere near as often, and it's a little more situational than it was in previous games. Well, previous games, it just seemed like every possession. This time, you know, it's it's heat checks. It's I, I do have a lot of space, so I'm actually put like It's things like that um, where, you know, there may be a better shot, but Miles Bridges is good enough. I'm not too concerned with I'm not up, as upset with it as, you know, previously where, you're not hitting anyway, and yet you're still continuing to do it. No, I think he's finding his spot. Every player does it in a league, just about, you know, every player that uh, adamantly scores. But so you can't get too upset when they do it because they're going to do it. It's just a matter of when you do it and is it even like kind of worth it. And I think, you know, last last couple of games, he's been handling that pretty well. Um, Cody Martin, I think, had a great game as far as like what you see um, on defense. Uh, his offense kind of was not hitting. His threes were just not looking good. I think he was, yeah, he was one for one of five from three. Only had one steal, but when you watch him play, um, I think he did an excellent job of just being a just a pest on defense. And that's what I've always said about Cody Martin is that with Cody Martin, you're going to get someone who may not fill up the stat sheet, which he can. He's he's one of those glue guys um, that I've I don't know if I've said on here before, but I know I said in my most recent YouTube video, I said that Cody. Martin is a guy where 
his value is only going to be as high as, you know, or as good as the team. So therefore, we're not really seeing how valuable Cody Martin can be because we're missing a lot of people. We're not playing the best basketball right now. Um, but in a game like that, I would deem him to be very valuable. As you saw, he he was just in guys' faces. And he, uh, on defense, people were 8 of 17 from the field from him. I mean, that's under 50%. I'll take it. But then what the real kicker is is that players were 3 of 12, you know, from 3 against him. So those are things that I feel like are important. Those are things that you got to think about when you're looking at a player Um of Cody Martin's like kind of stature of or Cody Martin's tier is that these guys aren't going to be guys that blow you away. However, they are guys who will just continue to play defense, get in guys' way, uh, and just play their role. And that that's what this team needs. I feel like that's something we're missing. Uh, so yeah, Cody Martin, I think, just did a good job. I mean, he guarded everybody from um, Keegan Murray to De'Aaron Fox to Diorte to Monk. Like he he just did an excellent job of just guarding and just being kind of that defensive weapon that we've been looking for. He's not one of those defensive weapons that take over the game, but you definitely don't have to worry too much about him on defense. And usually, for the most part, he's a plus defender. And I and I think that showed tonight. And we haven't been able to see it since he got back because one, he is he is still getting you know his legs underneath him, but also we haven't been playing good basketball as a team. So tonight where we played fair, well, not tonight, but the other day when we played fairly decent basketball, I think his value shows. So shouts out to Cody Martin for that. And the last two people I really touch on are, um, and this is not to necessarily just, I'm not going to go through everybody. I'm just kind of go through guys who I thought had a, like direct impact on the game. And that's PJ Washington. I mean, seven for 13 from, from the field, three of six from three, 17 points. He also played pretty good defense. PJ when Sacramento is just a menace, and then that's typically what he does. So uh, wait, can't wait to see what he maybe might do against OKC. I mean, you know, it might be bad considering where his team is at, but um, we know PJ and OKC have a history as well. So maybe something will happen there. I don't know. Uh, we are playing the Bulls on Friday, so or, or today, I guess, when you'll be listening to this. But so that might mean something because I think PJ's first. Um, game again uh, in his career was against the Bulls and I think he had like seven threes or something like that so once again uh PJ Washington I just think he played pretty well and as far as the Kings because I do um like to talk about the other teams as well I don't like to be very oh actually I did forget to mention somebody Nathan Mensa he went out for the end he went out with injury a little bit during the game but he came right back uh, this dude's a menace. Two, two, two steals, two blocks. Um, he, he was getting held like on every rebound, and I do think he needs to get a little better at rebounding as far as just being forceful. Same things I've said with Mark. Same things I've said with Nick Richards. Maybe it's just a big thing. Like they just struggle to understand. Like okay, this is you. You have the ability to go up there and snatch it. I, I don't know. But there was a lot of times he was being held, so it did prevent him from getting boards. But as a defender. I mean, he's pretty good. I, I think so. He's able to switch a lot for the most part. I mean, I'm not going to have him guard De'Aaron Fox on a perimeter, but if in a certain play he just gets switched or a certain possession he gets switched onto someone, I'm not going to send people all from all over the court to go help him. You know, I'm going to kind of let see how things play out. He he has earned that, uh, that much as far as on defense um, with his ability to switch. Now, of course, when he's guarding bigger guys, you expect him to, you know, handle that one-on-one. Um, 
and for the most part, he does. And I, I just like what I see from him defensively. I mean, it's still really, really early, so I'm not going to be too critical on his game. Um, so we're just going to only speak positives here. I know, you know, his game's not completely refined, of course, but um, he's he's just taking steps in the right direction. He's kind of that guy doesn't really need the ball too much, but he's going to go out there. He's going to compete, and he's he's just been doing just that. Like, there's really nothing you can say either way about him. You can't say. Oh, he's just a complete stud. Like he, he's that good. Or you can't say, oh, he's just horrible. It's like, no, this guy's a solid player. Yes, he's gonna make mistakes, but he's also a rookie. Um, but he's going he's gonna play his butt off. And he and he's been doing that. And I think his minutes have been effective for the most part. So shout out to Nathan Mensa on that. Now, as far as the Kings, I mean De'Aaron Fox, I've been keeping up with him all season because he's on my fantasy team, and he is just a player, man. I liked him coming out of Kentucky, um, and I liked it when he had the hair and then the one piece of hair hanging. I thought that was just a cool look for him, but I mean, now the, the hair is cut. I mean, it has been the last couple of years, but the hair is cut, and just the, his demeanor on the floor is just miles and miles better. And not that say he had a bad demeanor. It's literally just the demeanor he had, of course, when they were a losing team to now, where they're a good team, they have momentum. You know, the media is kind of on their side. Their fan base is right behind them. Like, that kind of thing, where that, that would change anybody. I don't care if it's LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kobe. Like, those all the guys you want to say are ultimate competitors. Going, playing for a bad team and then all of a sudden becoming good and getting and getting that kind of feeling of the city's behind you, the media's behind you, your teammates are behind you, That that's going to lift you up. I'm just, that's all I'm saying. And it, it, it just made him better is my point. He was already good. Um, but it, this with the Kings being good and just everything going around and surrounding the team, Mike Brown being the coach, uh, Sabonis being, you know, of course, his running mate. It's just his game is just taking another leap. And I, and I really like that for him. Um, he had a pretty good game. And there was times where we really couldn't stop him. He's too quick. He's way too quick. Sabonis, so uh, of course, dominated the boards because. That's just what any good rebounder does against the Hornets. Um, he had 23 points, 19 rebounds, but 11 turnovers, 11 turnovers. So a really, really big part of this game was um, not letting their key three-point shooting guys kind of get hot. And so, like, Harrison Barnes was only one for two. Keegan Murray was one of six. Darren Fox was three of ten. Malik Munt was two of five. And I know that's 40%, but I'm just saying, like, in the scope of, like, a game – I'll take 40% considering some of the percentages we've seen uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, who else? Trey Lyles was actually hitting, though. He was three for six, so we really couldn't stop him from the three-point line. But the key guys who really can hurt you, Kevin Herter, 0 for 2, the key guys that could really hurt you um, and can really put this game out of reach real quickly, um, those guys really didn't provide what you would be looking for, obviously, if you were the king. So the Hornets did a good job there. Caleb Martin or Cody Martin played a big part in that. Um, so, yeah. I mean, overall, it was a great game. It was a fun game. It was an exciting game. There's, I mean, considering what we saw, considering the lineup we had out there, I just – I could truly just couldn't be happier with what I saw from the team. Once again, if we lost that game, I would have not been upset at all. So considering we win it, of course, I'm through the roof. I'm through the roof as far as winning that game. It, it it was a game that we needed. I know that, you know, the season hasn't been going our way and things just haven't been going our way the last couple of years. And it's hard to say, especially with this season, oh, this is a must-win game because 
you, you know what I mean? Is is there's not really much there to to make it a must win game, but this felt like one. We're on a streak. We're on the worst losing streak in the NBA just because the the Pistons just won. Uh, we just really needed something. Our players are falling out the lineup in it, you know, left and right. We just needed something. No, some good news. I wouldn't even say this was a must win, but it was like in this time frame between, you know, going on sometime during this road trip, we just needed good news. Whether that was LaMelo back, winning a game here or there, uh, Brandon Miller having like an explosive game, Miles Bridges kind of getting back, something. We needed something as as an organization, as a fan base, and I feel like we got that with this win. So that that's kind of what I'm saying. It wasn't a must-win game, but during this road trip, we definitely needed some good news, and I felt like that was a good propeller for that. I mean, they said that they – like Terry, I believe, said that this could be the catapult to the team going to the next level as far as winning a couple of more games and this kind of getting them in the right direction. I don't believe that. However, I would love to be proven wrong. Next game, of course, against the Bulls. So we'll see because the Bulls are reportedly getting Zach Levine back during that time, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So I, I, I don't know what that could do for the team as a whole. But Speaking of Terry having an amazing game, that's where we can go ahead and segue to teams that could use Terry Rozier. Now, early in the podcast, I said, hey, there are a couple of teams here that I feel like could use Terry Rozier. Um, And I said that you may not like some of the teams. You might not like what they have to offer. And I completely understand. I kind of just want to give this caveat. I kind of just want to give this disclaimer. One, these trades are bad. These trades are not good at all. So do not... Take my trades and say, oh, I can't believe this is what he wants. So my thinking was I tried to be as favorable to the other team as possible to make up for the unknown. And what I mean by that is, for example, I'm not going to give away the trade just yet. But for example, I have the Lakers on here. Right. So, okay, you can say what you want about the Lakers. Do they really even have anything you want? No. Um, But I I chose the like I have the Lakers as a team and I lean to be what would be best for them over what would be best for the Hornets to offset. I have no idea what Terry's trade value is. We saw the OG Ananobi trade from the Raptors to the Knicks. And it was a good trade, I think, both ways. The Raptors look alive. I'm not even going to lie to you. Raptors look alive. Knicks were kind of already, you know, looking better and better as the season went on. But I think since they've added OG, they've looked even better. They've taken another step. So that's good for them. It's hard to say. If right now, it looks like a win-win. Even at the time, I thought it was a, it was a pretty much a win-win. But you could look at that trade and maybe say, oh, okay, well, Terry's got to be worth, you know, whatever, whatever he may be worth. I don't know. I I would be lying to you if I said I'll be lying to you if I could even ballpark because, I mean, in this NBA, picks are worth a lot, but sometimes they're not. And in some trades, they are. It it just depends. It's really hard to understand the market. Also, you got to consider where the Charlotte Hornets. I thought personally Mason Plumlee was going to be worth a lot more than what we got and not thinking he was going to be a first round pick or anything, but maybe a decent player. Uh, Like I said, nothing correct. Like the Reggie Jackson we got back. Yeah. But maybe a player that we actually were going to keep long-term. Like that's kind of what I was thinking. So, and then I think we gave up a pick to give up Mason Plummer, who was having an outstanding season for us as, you know, as far as his standards and what you would look for in a backup big, which is what you assumed he would be leaving the Charlotte Hornets. 
and we got literally nothing. I mean, I think we got a second round pick and Reggie, like I said, Reggie Jackson, who of course we bought out immediately. So it was just like, I don't know. I don't know. So once again, trades are terrible. Don't come at me. Don't share them. I mean, you can share them, but don't share them and say, this guy sucks. I'm telling you the trades are bad on purpose. It's just to get an idea flowing of what Terry could be, who could be available. It's all these things that I do not know. Cause I'm just a guy with a microphone. So I don't, I'm not plugged in anywhere. I just, I feel like I have to get this disclaimer because people will hear these and be like, these are just so terrible. And it's just like, like I said, I purposely favorite the other team to combat not knowing anything about Terry Rozier. One, if the Hornets are even going to trade Terry Rozier. Two, if they can even work out a competent trade. And three, not knowing what his necessarily value will be around the league. Because just because the player is valuable to your team and you see what he does night in and night out may not be valuable to everybody else. So, like for example, uh, Kelly Oubre. I mean, he's showing that he's kind of worth what he was getting in Charlotte and he should have been worth more this offseason. But he was doing a lot for Charlotte. I thought he was very valuable to Charlotte. I understood what I got rid of him, but I thought he was pretty valuable. And now, boom, here we go. He's he's playing pretty well for that team. And I, and I always say it was team-based. I think that about a lot of players on this team. I think it's very team-based. But anyway, he's playing well, and now it looks like he was worth more than what he should have. So I don't know. Maybe they thought, oh, he was just in Charlotte. So maybe. I, I have no idea. So once again, that's why the trades are bad. Next thing is the, the way I picked the teams were – what teams have a bottom half, so, you know, 15 and back, yeah, 15, 16 back. What teams have a bottom half offensive rating but are supposed to be good or are good or 500? That's kind of how I pick the teams because you're not picking Terrell's ear to fix your defense. You're not picking Terrell's ear to necessarily fix your playmaking. He can do it, but I would rather look for – um I always forget which one was with the Grizzlies and now is with the Wizards. Is that Tyus Jones? Yeah, I would look to him or like if you're looking to fix your playmaking. Yeah, so that's kind of my point. I just don't – I just picked teams in the bottom half of offensive rating that could use some scoring. That That's kind of how I picked it. Uh, one of the teams, it's kind of like, okay, it makes sense why they were at the bottom half of offensive scoring, but looking at their – or offensive rating, but looking at their – Roster, I could see where they could use Terry. So there's there's just a lot of things you have to think about. But once again, the way I picked these teams was not, oh, they need a shooting guard or, oh, they need this or they need that. I literally just looked at offensive rating and I did the bottom half, you know, the bottom half. So what are teams who are good, supposed to be good, 500, a little below five, whatever the case may be, and need scoring? That that's kind of how I picked the team. So, once again, don't don't get mad at me. Um, and then, of course, the NBA is unpredictable. Teams may Terry may have a request. The Hornets are like, look, we're going to trade you. We at least want to do right by you. That could throw things and mess up kind of who the teams will be. Another thing could be a teams like, look, our defense isn't going to be that great, but we could score a little more to you know combat that. So let's go again. So all these things could change. All these things could be different. I'm sorry for the long explanation, but I feel like I have to get it or else people will get upset. So let's go ahead and get into the trade. So the first trade I have is the Lakers because I already mentioned it. So for the Lakers, they give up. Well, we give up, actually. Terry Rozier in Nick Richards. That, that's what we give up. Now, the reason, of course, Terry, uh, the Lakers were at the bottom half of uh, offensive scoring, well, offensive rating. I keep saying offensive scoring. They were at the bottom half of offensive rating. Uh, 
And so, of course, they need Terry. Um, Gabe Vincent quite hasn't been what they wanted, and he's been injured. Uh, D'Angelo Russell also, which I think the Lakers knew that. I think the Lakers signed D'Angelo Russell was like, we'll figure it out later. So, Lakers, uh, D'Angelo Russell's not quite doing what you want him to do for the Lakers. Um, so then, okay, who can we fill that gap with? Because right now they're playing like five power forwards if you look at Darvin Ham's lineups. So, Terry would be amazing for the Lakers. Uh, Nick Richards I picked because you don't really have a backup center. You don't really have a center of any kind. I mean, you have AD, of course, uh, but then you have a bunch of forwards. AD also is probably better at power forward. You have Jackson Hayes, which is eh, – like I'm Jackson Hayes I think is okay, especially for being on the Lakers. But eh, could you do a little better there? And then you also got Christian Wood, who I think is just – I don't know. Christian Wood is kind of all over the place. I see him more of as an offensive weapon, uh, someone that can score, a big that can stretch the floor. When you, you know, sir, I see him as almost like a relief pitcher. And what I mean by that is, based on who you're playing, based on lineups, based on things like that, that's where his value will really come. It's like, okay, I, I rather have this guy than to not have him, but it's not like he deserves the most minutes. Some games he'll get way more minutes than others. Um, but it, can you really count on him to be a backup big? Not really. You know, it's, it's very situational. So that is why they ended up getting Nick Richards. So what we get in return is D'Angelo Russell, even though I just said, <laughs> even though I just said that that wouldn't be that great of an idea, but we get D'Angelo Russell, Gabe Vincent, Jackson Hayes, all these guys I just mentioned. And then there are 20, 30 first round pick in their 2024 second round pick. All right. So once again, I can, ex- I'm going to explain this sh- terrible trade. So to go really quickly, we gave up Terry Rozier and Nick Richards in return. We got D'Angelo Russell, gave Vincent Jackson Hayes, their 2024 second round pick via the Clippers and then a 2030 uh, first round pick. Now, why do we why do we, why do we get what we get from the Lakers? Essentially it's just how that's how the money matches up. If the Hornets feel as though there's not really any other place they can go with Terry for whatever reason, the market's dry, teams are wanting to budge. It could be one of those things where uh teams are looking at a different guy, like looking at Donovan Mitchell instead of getting terrible here and in last second. The Lakers are like, oh, we'll just take Terry because we can't get – I'm not saying that will happen. I'm just saying these are things that could happen. The Hornets are like, hey, we might have to do this pick. Because personally, I do not like a trade with the Lakers. The Lakers have nothing I want, absolutely nothing I want of value. If I'm going to assume what Terry's uh, value is, I'm not going to – I'm going to assume it's better than anything the Lakers can provide us realistically. So I personally wouldn't do this trade. Lakers going to make stuff happen because that's what the Lakers do. Mitch Kupchak work. You know what I mean? So it's just it's one of those things where it may not even truly benefit us, but it is what it is. Um, And why we get their 2030 first round pick and not like a sooner pick because of the fact that I think the Lakers understand that LeBron more than likely is going to go wherever Bronny goes. If Bronny does come out of um, and go into the NBA draft. Really, this is what I really think is going to happen. I really think the Lakers are just going to get Bronny. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think that's what's going to happen. But if I'm the Lakers, they're probably thinking, okay, LeBron more than likely is just going to follow Bronny. We don't want to give up too much in our future. And by 2030, even if everything goes to crap, I think we can work our way back. We're the Lakers. People want to play here. People love being here. 
Um, AD will probably be gone. Like we've been able to retool. We can fix it. So let's just do 2030 because if we do win with LeBron here, we're definitely just going to get Brian and then run it back maybe one more season because, of course, LeBron says he's going to retire. Then we can figure it out later. But we already have another championship in a LeBron era under our belt. So that's just kind of what I'm thinking that the Lakers think. If you're a Lakers fan, let me know. If you're a Hornets fan, of course, then let me know. Uh, but, yeah, that that is the trade I see the Hornets and Lakers doing. Once again, I do not like a trade with the Lakers. I just don't think they reasonably offer us anything that we could use. So that's kind of why I have it there. It, that's where I, it is what it is. But I do think it helps both teams. So with the Hornets – uh, you get D'Angelo Russell, who is a much cheaper backup point guard. So you get a better backup point guard, and he's just a much cheaper one um, than the option I've seen around, which I've even said this before, is that Terry could possibly be backup guard, and then we can run it from there. Now you save $7 million there, and you're not paying him as long Um D'Angelo Russell only signed a two-year deal. Gabe Vincent is on a three-year deal um, for $30 million, but... I think Gabe Vincent comes if he can come back. You know, you get him at the All Star break. Uh, you can either trade him again. Same with D'Lo too. But you can either trade him again, uh, or you know, kind of ride it out to the end of the season and then, you know, in an off season trade him because I don't think he really personally, especially with D'Angelo Russell, I don't see Gabe Vincent having like a role here. We got Nick Smith Jr. We got Lamelo Ball, of course. Uh, those. D'Angelo Russell and Gabe Vincent don't quite fit next to the middle of the ball. It's just another Terry situation. They are not Terry. I'm just saying, like, as far as just the mold of player, and it's just not what we need, once again, like Terry. So that's kind of what I'm saying there. Uh, so you end up trading those guys, possibly, or once again, you keep one of them, and then the other one you trade. Um, and then Jackson Hayes is just because of the fact that I think – the Hornets will want something in return uh, as far as like a big man, just to, just to see. This is completely just test the waters, uh, make sure all the money work, a uh, sweetener, if you will, because at the end of the day, they are giving us a 2030 first round pick, which what it, what does that do for us necessarily right now as a, as a team that kind of wants to retool rather than rebuild? Um, so, yeah, we'll give you Jackson Hayes so you can kind of evaluate him and see if you want to keep him. And in 2024 pick is also – that's really the sweetener of, uh, hey, 2024 second-round pick, here you go. We're not going to need it for what we're doing because if we lose LeBron, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, a second-round pick is not going to save us. And then if we keep LeBron – um, you know, obviously we did the right thing by winning this championship or getting close or whatever the case may be. So that is why both sides do it. Uh, next up, we have the Heat slash Magic. So the reason I have these kind of in the same tier or in the same section is because you don't really want to do a trade with either of them with Terry because they're in your division or, yeah, in your division. And considering you're the Hornets, you have the Miller Ball, more likely you're going to have Miles Bridges, Brandon Miller, Mark Williams, all these guys. You're not looking to do a full reset. You're looking kind of just to retool, add a couple veterans here and there, uh, things like that. Um, so you really don't want to trade to these guys. but it once again they were in the bottom half of offensive rating. There are both teams who are supposed to be good, but once again at the bottom half of offensive rating, so they need a little more punch. It um, may and both need a cheaper punch. I don't think the Magic are quite ready to kind of sell out to get like the star. Same with OKC. 
Um, they're not, they're two teams who are young, good, and people are expecting to, you know, combine their assets and trade for a superstar or whatever the case may be. But one, superstar is not available. And two, I don't think those teams are really ready as far as their mentality, as far as what they're looking to do type ready. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that they're not good enough to say, hey, we want to start. Go get one. And I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is they're not quite. I think they kind of want to wait another year before they make a commitment like that is probably the better way of putting that. And Terry, yes, he's a commitment, but I mean, he's kind of exactly what you need. You have enough around him to not where, you know, he's not a horrible defender. His defensive faults, you have plenty of players that can combat that and change that and fix that. So and then the, the Heat are the Heat. They get anybody to defend. It doesn't matter who. And then right now, they're not really getting much out of Kyle Rout. Lowry, you have Jimmy Butler. You have Kevin Love. You have Bam now as far as I feel like he's just hitting this upper echelon stage. Uh, you have leaders. And that's kind of what I feel like at this point in Kyle Lowry's career is that he's providing leadership. He don't really need that. You have that. And you got Eric Spolstra. So, and none of your guys are really young except Jaime Jaquez, who was a four-year player at UC. So, there's just a lot of things that he doesn't really provide much on the court, but it's more of like a, for, especially for them, heat culture type of thing. Uh, they have Kyle Riley, but that doesn't do anything for them. So, can they replace him? They would probably look to Terry to do so. So, that is what I am. Uh, that's why I kind of have those two teams. So, now let's go ahead and talk about the trades, each individual trade. Once again, not a good trade, but um, it's to mainly just, once again, get the, get the wheels turning about potential trades and potential trade targets. So uh, for the Orlando Magic, uh, the Hornets give up Terry Rozier. And in return, the Hornets receive Markel Fultz, Jet Howard, and a 2024 first round pick. I was thinking about adding the 2026 first round pick. So, okay, this is what I'll say. If we're going to be greedy and and not overvalue Terry, but give him a little more value, because once again, I've tried to favor the other team because I'd rather undervalue than overvalue. That's the whole point. Um, to favor the other team, I, that, that's, that's the mentality I went with. But... We, I think we might should be able to throw the 2026 first round pick in there. And that belongs to either Phoenix or Washington, the, the least favorable of the two, which more than likely it will be Phoenix because Washington um, will have a lottery pick by then. Still, maybe. So that's why uh, Markel Fulton expired, make the money work. Uh, Jet Howard is a rookie, so they might see that. Okay, like, look, we're giving you a first round pick. He was going to, I think that they took him a little high. But he was going to be a first-round pick regardless. So I think that kind of fixes that. And then the 2024 pick, they're going to be good this year. I don't think they need another rookie. Once we just said it, you know, they're a team that could think about combining their assets, depending on where the season goes, in trading for a star player. Yes, that 2024 first-round pick would help. But also, if once again, you're not trying to make too much of a commitment. I don't think there's a problem with trading this year's pick for Terry Rozier because he, based on where your team is at, he doesn't make your team any worse at all. He makes your team significantly better. So, um, he's not really giving much. Markel Fultz in and out of the lineup. He's pretty good, I would say. Um, but it's whether or not you can get him to play, and then if he can be consistent when he is playing, those type of things. So you get rid of him, make the, to help with the money. Once again, Jet Howard. 
you trade uh, and look at it as a first round pick and then this year's first round pick. And then if we're really, really thinking what I think Terry would be worth, I do think that 2026 first round pick that belongs to, we'll just say the Suns comes into play. Maybe the Hornets might have to throw in something as well, but I don't think it's going to be anything of significance. So you can work around that trade there. These trades are not, once again, these trades are not final. You can do whatever you want to these trades. If you're you know kind of following along, you can do whatever you want to them. It's just kind of getting a framework together based on what I saw, trying to understand what the other team will be willing to give up, all these things. So it's, it's hard to do trades. I'm going to keep saying it. These trades suck, but it's to just get the wheels turning. Next, we have the Miami Heat. Uh, we give up Terry Rozier. They give us Kyle Lowry. Make the money match, of course. And I, I would appreciate his veteran leadership, maybe, just for a year. Just, you know, if another team comes knocking, and you know what I mean, then fine. But I personally would like to see us keep him, not forever, just literally this year, um, kind of just help the team do something. Because this is the thing. What I don't think the Hornets should do this year is even if they make trades, all right, we're mailing it in. Mark don't play that much. LaMelo don't play that much. Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges don't play that much. PJ, whoever, don't play that much. No, they need to play as if they're trying to make the playoffs because they need that experience. We've been screaming about, oh, well, it's, this, it's really hard for a, or for a team to be this unhealthy and get chemistry. I completely agree with that. So mailing it in after you make these trades, that's not going to help. Use that time. The pressure's off. Let these guys figure out what they need to do. So and and kind of figure out their roles and how to play with each other. This is the perfect time to do so, even after you make trades. So I don't think the Hornets should mail it in, which in turn, why I say they should keep Kyle Lowry, because he can kind of build somewhat of a culture and do something similar to what Chris Paul did to OKC. It's not going to be the quite same because that's OKC and we're the Hornets, but we can at least try because it's not going to hurt us to keep him. Now, if a team is knocking down the door and it's one of those things where, oh, we decided to keep him over a first round pick, that's stupid. But as far as, if no one's really offering him, don't just buy him out. I think I think he could be a really good veteran. Now, if he doesn't want to play, that's another thing. But if 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 everything aligns, I think we should keep him and play hard the rest of the the rest of the season. Um, and then I don't know if I mentioned, but of course we get two first round picks: the twenty twenty four pick, which is this year, which I think Terry Rozier on the Heat. Uh, I, th- I mean, I mean, you're looking at a top team in the East and are already a top team with missing Tyre Hero, which I can understand why that's part of um, that's part of why their bottom half in offensive rating. And then you got uh, Jaime Jaquez, who's an incredible player. I really like Jaime Jaquez. Um, you can't really rely on a rookie to be able to provide you some offensive firepower. So. You never know when he can disappear. He's a rookie. It's what rookies do. So having someone like Terry Rozier, playoff Tyler Hero, could we do see Terry playoff ball? One of our best season in the last few years has when, when Terry was in, in a key, one of the top off-ball players in the league. So he can do it. I just think he's at his best when he has the ball in his hand. Tyler Hero can also play off ball. Jimmy Butler, of course, does whatever the team needs. So it, it, I feel like it works out. But once again... To for the Magic and Heat, you don't really want to trade to them because once again we're retooling. If we're rebuilding, it really wouldn't matter. But you're retooling; these guys are going to be good and in your face. So it's it's just not going to be it's not going to be it's not going to be helpful. Um, but yeah, we really just cleared the cat space. Uh, Kyle Ryzen expiring. We get two first round picks. Uh, we have a first round pick of our own um, this year. Then we take on the Heats. We can use that to kind of maneuver anywhere we want to um 
and and do something with that. Next, we have the Timberwolves. And this was a team I actually was surprised to see at the bottom half because Ant has missed some time, I think, but it wasn't significant and neither did Cat. So I looked at the roster and was like, wow, they're really struggling. And they're a great team, one of the best defensive teams in the league, if not the best defensive team, but they can use some offensive firepower. And believe it or not, they have just enough cap space within other, like in, they have just enough contracts to match up with Terry Rozier and that will be able to help you out a lot. Now, this is probably my least favorite trade. Um, actually, I really like it. It sounds crazy, but I really like it. So let's just go ahead and talk about the trade. So, of course, we give up Terry Rozier. Um, the Hornets, in return, get Kyle Anderson, who expiring slow-mo. I, I think that will be, if we're going to buy into the fact that, like I said, I don't think the Hornets should just mail it in after the trade deadline. I think they should really use that time to build some chemistry once again. Um, all the pressure's off. Just do what you do. Learn learn how each other play and kind of build some chemistry there. I think he can help with that. He, he's a very, he's a versatile guy. He can kind of fit in anywhere you throw him in. Um, and then he also just provides some veteran leadership. He might be a guy, you know, that once again could be traded for more assets or you might can bring him back on a small or on a cheaper deal next year, and he could be a good veteran piece. I, I I truly believe that. Jake Milton, I mean, it's it's up and down. I mean, in some games he's really good, some games he's not. It, that that's just really honestly a, a cat filler. Then Leonard Miller, who was from the G League last year, I think he went into the second round. He easily could have been a first round pick. I really want, yeah, I think he went in the second round. It easily could have been a first round pick. Um, he he is a six ten. You can look at him as a three, but I think he's like a three four. I think he's more four than three, but he can easily play both, maybe even small ball five. What we were looking for with PJ, a lot cheaper than PJ. I think in this trade, it allows you to maybe think about trading PJ because. I'm not saying Leonard Miller is PJ right now, but what I am saying is that Leonard Miller can be what PJ is quicker, I think. And so therefore, by quicker, I think you can save a little more money. Um, and that will help you kind of get these other pieces. And then you get this year's first round pick because they won't be needing it. I think that's a really good trade, man. Like you get a potential guy in slow-mo who, who could help out next year, if not, He's, he is a expiring contract, so it's not the end of the world. You can just let him go if you don't want him. Shake Milton, eh, it's just kind of that salary filler. You got to figure out what to do there. Uh, like I said, Leonard Miller can really be a PJ replacement. I'm in all seriousness. I, Leonard Miller could be a PJ replacement, and then you get the first round pick for this year. This is another trade where I feel like the Hornets may have to throw in something. If they do, it's nothing of significance. It's just a little something uh, because, I, I mean. They might not have to throw in anything because it's not like Kyle Anderson is that is any comparable. You know, he's nowhere comparable to Terry, neither Shake, neither is Leonard Miller. He's more of a, he was a second round pick. Yeah, so you may not have to throw in anything. But if the Hornets do, it shouldn't be of anything of significance. I really like that trade because at worst, you just cleared up what 23 mil in cap, and then you add in um Leonard Miller and Shake Milton. So that's what roughly seven million in cap. So that would give you what, like sixteen million cap, sixteen million cap and a first round pick. I, I mean, I'm okay with that, uh, especially for a team that's trying to retool. And then, um, like I said, you get a good player in Leonard Miller. So that, that's just another team. Lastly, we have the Grizzlies. So 
And this podcast is running long, so I'm sorry about that. We'll just, uh, I will talk about the Hornets injury designation in a YouTube video. Um, so we can talk about that there. So uh, go to YouTube, um, look up Trust the Buzz, and I'll be able to provide you a video. I'll probably have that released on Saturday because it does need to be talked about, and I don't want to wait another week. Um, but anyway, last trade we have is the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't really – there wasn't anything on Memphis I really liked. They have a lot of key guys who play hard, play their role – they're just not that good. It's just as simple as that. But they have a lot of guys who I think are valuable. They have a lot of guys who are going to play hard, who are a lot of guys who are going to provide to the team. It's just none of those guys. It, it worked for the Grizzlies. Won't do anything for the Hornets. So that's why I don't like it that much. Also, you got to think about the fact is part of the reason they're at the bottom half of offensive rating is because Ja missed 25 games. So that's part of it. But you look at where they get their scoring from, Marcus Smart not going to provide that much. Desmond Bain, yes. Ja, of course. JJ, Jay can a little bit. Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, but I think to just really have someone who can say, give me the ball, I ISO, and really take over, I think Terry's that guy. And you're not giving up much in this case. So what the Hornets will be giving up is Terry Rozier and Nick Richards. Yes, crazy, but they don't really have a center. Uh, Steven Adams out for the season. Um, and then they have Bismat Biombo. Xavier Tillman hasn't been that great. Uh, Dave, David Roddy's 6'4", which I didn't know. I thought he was at least 6'7". He's 6'4". He's like a power forward. Uh, you got Jaron Jackson Jr., of course, but eh. So I think having someone like Nick Richards for them will be really good. Um, he's on a team-friendly deal, all yada, yada, yada. You want to trade him later, you can. What we get in return is not much, I promise you. But, hey, Luke Kennard. He is on a team option this year. So uh, that's mainly for salary. That's a, that's for the most part. That's what Luke Kennard is going to provide in his trade is salary. Uh, you can just, I think the team might trade for him. Like I said, he's on a team option. And then also he can, he can still shoot. He just doesn't play that much. So Luke Kennard, Brandon Clark, who I know is injured. I know he's injured, but he's supposed to come back um, around all-star break, which more than likely will be if this trade happens, this, that will be around the time the trade happens. So, that, that I'll take it kind of makes sense. And then also, if you look at his numbers last year, as far as the advanced stats and not looking at his counter stats, because his counter stats are not good. I'm not going to lie to you. But his advanced stats, people do not shoot well against him in the paint, which is something we need desperately. Um, Mark is like a deter, like he, he, did, I don't, I'm going to mess up the word because I'm not good with words, but, you know, and yeah, I'm doing a podcast. He defers people from the basket. Deters people. Maybe that's the word deferred deters. I don't know. He, he prevents people from attacking the basket in a way, but he doesn't stop people from converting. So with Mark down there, a lot of teams are kind of like hesitant to go attack the rim. But the teams that do and they have good finishers, it doesn't really stop them that much. So having someone like Brandon Clark, if healthy, if playing back to that level, even close to it, that would be extremely helpful. And then obviously you don't want this man, Brandon Clark, on a perimeter because he can't defend, you know, look at him. He can't defend the perimeter like that. But in the mid-range, he's also really good at defending that as well. People shoot like 37% against him in the mid-range. And that's like one of the higher percentages in the – well, lower percentages in the league technically. So – I, I like the defensive versatility. Um, he can be your backup 
four, backup, five, like however you want to slice it. I think he can play either or. Um, you definitely don't want him as your all-time five. Like in, coming off the bench, he will play a little bit of four, a little bit of five. Unfortunately, on the offensive end, he can't stretch the floor like someone like PJ. But I think you might be willing to sacrifice that for the defense he can bring, uh, especially like in the paint. Because as much as we need defense um, on a perimeter, we still do need to work on like our, our rim protection. So I think he can provide that. He's not a shot blocker. But, hey, it, I think what really works with him is that they can't attack uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., so they kind of attack him. You got Jaron Jackson Jr. on the weak side. That helps Jaron Jackson Jr. a lot. I keep saying his name fast. Um, but we'll just say Jaron. That helps Jaron a lot as well because, he, like I said, he's not getting attacked all game. They decided to type Brandon Clark. But it helps him out as far as his stats because he's able to just be the weak side help and provide there. So it, I think it works out. And I think that'll help out Mark is, is my point is that if you have Brandon Clark kind of, they're trying to tap Brandon Clark over Mark Williams. It allows Mark Williams to help because more than likely he's going to be on someone that really can't uh, take advantage of him kind of crashing to help. So think of it like that. I don't know. And he's a pretty good rebounder. So, Hey, we might work out there. And with him being injured, I think, if you're the Grizzlies, you rather have someone like Nick Richards, who's on a, once again a team friendly deal. You can kind of move around. If, you know, it's easier to move him around um, and kind of build the roster you want than kind of being stuck with Brandon Clark for the next three years. Next, uh, we get Zaire Williams, who is a uh, forward. I think he's pretty good. Uh, I think he went to stand. Was he going to stand for the Santa Clara? I remember in that draft, I kept getting him and Jalen Williams mixed up. And now I'm doing it again. I think he went to Stanford. And he didn't do that well at Stanford, if I remember correctly. But it was because Stanford didn't, like, play a home game all season. Because it was something weird. Anyway, I think he's a pretty good player. He's not shooting the best right now. But he has the potential to be a really good wing. We have wings. Um, Because, you you know, Miles, Brandon Miller, uh, Bryce McGowan's. uh, Is that it? I may be drawing a blank. But anyway... I just think adding another one. Oh, Cody Martin. I just think adding another one won't won't hurt you, um, because it's it's a wing league. Cody Martin can kind of play two, not necessarily, but you get what I'm saying. He can kind of play two. Bryce McGowan kind of played two. Brandon Miller, if he can work on his dribbling a little bit, could kind of play two, and that's where people wanted to play. Zaire Williams, if he becomes better than what you what you want, then he can also play the three. So I think it, I think it works out. I think you, it's worth you trying out. And then lastly, we get their first, well, not their first round pick. So I don't think, and this is kind of once again, where I of course favor the other team. I don't think the Grizzlies would be willing to give up their first round pick unless it's heavily protected because they're working their way into the playoffs. Um, it's possible they do and just make it protected, but I don't think they will because they have another first-round pick, and it's the least favorable between the Suns and the Wizards. Uh, very similar to – what team was that? I think the uh, Magic, but that was in 2026. This is this year. So we'll, it'll more than likely be the Suns pick. So we have, we'll have we have our pick, the Suns pick, Brandon Clark, Zaire Williams. I, I mean, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. Um, like I said, you create cat space. You can trade Brandon Clark, I'm sure especially after, let's say, he plays to the end of the season and then everybody's like, oh, he's actually pretty good. Same with Gabe Vincent, like we talked about earlier. Um, he can kind of get his, his you know, get his legs underneath him with Charlotte. Um, and then at the end of the season, Charlotte, well, we didn't really like what we saw or we just got an offer we can't refuse and we don't really have an attachment to this guy. Let's trade him. So those are the trades. I don't know if they're that good. Like I said, they're not good, but it is to get you thinking. 
it is to kind of go do your research and say, okay, what, how can I make these trades better? And once again, I also really, really, really favored the other team because I'd rather undervalue Terry than overvalue Terry. Um, so these are just kind of the things I'm thinking about. Um, what would be available for Terry Rozier? Because it's hard. It's hard. We're not getting a lot of news as far as like, oh, these players are looking for this kind of player. And these guys are looking at it. We don't really know. We don't really know. So it's just me spitballing, um, favoring the other team, of course, and trying trying to figure it out. I'm pretty – I hope whatever trade the Hornets do is better than these, but it is what it is. I just kind of threw these together to just, like I said, get a feel for it. But I will finish out with Buzzworthy. So, like I said, the new segment, as I'm trying out new segment, then we'll go ahead and close the show as the Hornets injury designation will be on the YouTube channel probably Saturday, Saturday morning to be more exact. And I'll probably talk about the Bulls a little bit, too. So maybe maybe it'll be two videos on Saturday. But anyway, Buzzworthy. So things that I see are Buzzworthy. Like I said, little news I see here and there that didn't quite make the show. Uh, LaMelo Ball All-Star campaign. I see a lot of people saying, oh, we should vote for LaMelo Ball. I agree. LaMelo Ball should be an All-Star, especially the way he was playing. He has not played a lot. He's missed a lot of games. I don't think that Gene, because that's another thing. People see the um, the All-Star voting, which came out today. LaMelo Ball was like seventh and say, oh, LaMelo should be higher, even if he isn't. No, he shouldn't. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, he he has not played. He has not played. And then the first like 10 games, he were what first five games. He wasn't good. 10 straight, nine straight games. He was really a good, he was amazing. And then he got hurt and we haven't heard a peep about his injury since. If it was like LaMelo balls designated to return February 1st or LaMelo balls designated to return January 15th. Okay. We're, we're cooking. Like, okay, people can believe, okay, when he comes back, he's going to be pretty good. I expect him to kind of pick up where he left off. It's going to take a second, but I think I expect him to get there before All-Star break. All-Star. We haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything about LaMelo Ball's injury, which is something we could talk about in the Hornet injury uh, video. But we haven't heard anything about LaMelo Ball's injury. So people are not going to be just out, going out of their way to vote for LaMelo Ball, especially if you think he's it's just going to be vetoed by the league which more than likely it will because more than likely he won't play enough games. I still believe he might come back after the uh, road trip, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, for what I'm saying, I just, I think he should be an all-star. I just, I'm not upset that he's seven, I guess is my point. Um, I vote for him every day. I vote for Terry every day because I said that I should, I said, hey, we're voting for, and this is the thing. I was talking to people who vote for Nick Smith Jr., Brandon Miller, Mark Williams. I saw people putting these votes out. Fine. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But it like would purposely leave out Terry and vote. It would be like LaMelo, Jalen Brunson, and then the rest will be Hornets. And it's like, okay, well, if we're doing that, let's at least vote Terry. If we're, if we're voting like that. And people are like, oh, my God, how could you dare pick Terry to be voted over LaMelo? Didn't say that. I was just saying that I don't think LaMelo Ball is going to make the all-star game. Not because he's not good, not because he's not deserving. It's simply because I think with the amount of games he's played, the league is going to say, eh, we're not going to let him in. Because they do that. They have that power. Fan vote is only so much. Because I remember didn't Zaza Pachulia was supposed to be an all-star one year, and the league had to step in and be like, no. You, so you see what I'm saying? I think LaMelo Ball 
if healthy, 100% deserves to be in an all-star game. But right now, we have no idea of what he's what he's going to do, where he's going to be. Now, me, I typically, I have, every, I rotate every other day. One day I do Hornets just for the sake of doing it. And then the other day I do like, okay, these are my real all-stars. It, that's all I was saying. It's just do a couple ter- just send a couple votes Terry Way. And people thought I was the craziest person in the world. It it just didn't make any sense. But anyway, yeah. I don't think LaMelo Ball is gonna make the all-star game if he does not come back soon. Because all-star break is literally what a little over a month away. So gotta figure something out. Next up uh in buzzworthy topics is is Nathan Mensa for real. And I said earlier, I just really like his game. He's just a really tough player. He he just does what you need him to do. He's learning every game. He he reminds me of what JT Thor was doing last year as far as just progression. Every time I saw JT Thor on the floor, I don't know what happened this year, but last year, every time I saw JT on the floor, he would do something that he didn't do last game. Or if he messed up somewhere last game, he would fix it this game. He was just a very interesting player to watch uh, last year, and I think Nathan Mintz is kind of taking that role. Hopefully his next season will be better, but... I just see him slowly, slowly progress, and he just hustles, and I, it's just—it's a breath of fresh air, it really is. So I think he's the real deal. I'm not saying he'll be some all-star, but I just really like what he's able to provide for this team because at times we struggle with just because Nick Smith—I'm not Nick Smith—Nick Richards just sometimes doesn't have that that edge to him, that competitive edge, and I think Nathan Mensah does. And I think that's what sets them apart. I think Nathan, Nathan Mensah is willing to do all of the dirty work as opposed to Nick Richards. I don't. He doesn't believe in the dirty work. He does it. I don't think he believes in it. I, Nathan Mensah, when I see him play in a little bit of time, I do see him play. It just feels like he believes everything he's doing, whether that's blocking, whether that's setting a pick, whether that's switching, whether that's, you know, just he's he's the only one down there on the fast. You know, just anything. He believes that if I can make a play here, it'll change. It can change something, and I and I just I like that about his play. He, he's playing like he has something to prove. I guess that's the best way for me to put it. He similar to how Nick Richards was playing last year, obviously in different ways, but just like the aura he brings, the, the 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 what you see on the screen, what Nick Richards was doing last year. That's what Nathan Mintz is doing this year. So I, I just like to see it. And for bull scouting. That's the last buzzworthy thing we're going to talk about because I didn't want to do a whole segment on it, but I do feel like we should talk about it. I mean, Kobe White is going to do what Kobe White does. I'm, I'm excited to see Kobe White uh, for the first time this season. Well, I've seen him. Well, first time against the Hornets because I've seen him. No, we've seen him. I missed that game. I missed the last game, the time, last time the Hornets played the Bulls. So, yeah, this for me will be my first time seeing Kobe White play the Bulls. I've been watching the Bulls a lot lately just because I kind of – I'm just interested in the whole Zach Levine taken out and they just became a completely different team. So uh, I've just been watching some bulls, but yeah, Kobe White's going to do his thing. He's going to make crazy, make and take crazy shots like Terry Rozier. How are you going to defend that? Cause it's not like a conventional defending. There's some, some things you got to do as a team. You can't just rely on, uh, on one individual to guard a guy who takes running floaters and fading threes. Like, you know what I mean? There's going to be other things you're going to have to do to not have the ball, uh, maybe get rough with him a little bit, things like that. It's just not, it can't be relied on one guy. I'm not saying this Kobe White is Kobe. All I'm saying is guys who's kind of scoring an unconventional, an unconventional manner, you're going to have to do a little more than just straight up defend him uh, sometimes. So we'll see how they play him. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, just his ability to just operate in the mid-range. 
I just want to see how we do that there because, you know, sometimes our centers don't step up, our, our perimeter. Like, I think the I'm surprised that we haven't been killed more in the mid-range than I've seen this season because our perimeter guys just kind of funnel people to the center. The center doesn't always step up, and if they do, they can't keep like, – it's just a lot of things there. And with DeMar DeRozan being able to operate in mid-range, play make the way he does, um, just have the knowledge of the game – it's just not going to be easy for the Hornets on defense. I think he he's going to provide a real problem. And then lastly, I just want to quickly talk about Andre Drummond, who at one point, believe it or not, was one of my favorite players in the league just because I like those dirty work players. In fact, I made a post. It was like, what's your favorite genre? Or made a tweet, rather. What's your favorite genre of NBA player? And everybody was sharing it. I shared mine, and it had Dennis Rodman, Ben Wallace, Kevin Garnett, and I messed up his name, Yakeem Noah. Those are those are my type of players. And for a little bit there, under Jamila, he could have been that. But anyway, he's just been a beast on the boards. Um, beast. He's just been a beast. Offensive boards, defensive boards. Um, he's been scoring a little bit. Hey, Nick Rich is going to have to play his game because Andre Drummond always gets into it with us for whatever reason. And also, he's just a physical player. It's really astounding to me that he didn't end up being a better player, maybe because his offensive game. There was one point he could pass to. Andre Drummond was a good player, but uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. But yeah, it's not going to be easy for Nick Richards just because anybody that can that rebounds in that way provides a tough time for the Charlotte Hornets, and I think it's just going to be more of that. So the ways we can kind of go against that and hopefully offset that is just by simply really running. I think running is going to be the best way. If we can keep the tempo going, we can make our shots. I think that's going to help. Andre Drummond is not this elite rim protector, so I think we I think we should feel free to attack the basket. Just keep sending guys. Um, also, I think we just need to create on the perimeter and hit our shots. The Bulls, for a little bit, were struggling to hit threes. I haven't checked. I should have checked, but I don't remember if they still are because last time I, I took note of that and saw that, it was like two weeks ago. So I don't know if that's changed since then. But if we can – and I know it sounds crazy, but if we really can just outshoot them, um, I, I think we're going to be doing something good. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. You guys are the best. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I will talk to you guys next week. Um, and also, if you're going to the YouTube channel, uh, trust the buzz on YouTube, and also follow me on Twitter at trust the buzz. Well, at trust buzz t r u z z b u z z. Yeah, I talk about Charlotte Hornets stuff all the time and some soccer because I like soccer. Uh, if that interests you, go ahead and do that. But thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.